Be good. Well, hello there, friends and strangers. It's your pal, Andrew. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. My wife, Tiffany, and our little dog, Pele, are outside hanging out, playing with a ball. Uh, and we are in Gunnison, Colorado, just outside of town, actually, in a beautiful place called the Hartman Rocks um, Wilderness Area or something like that. You got to check this place out if you haven't. It is astoundingly beautiful. It's free public land that you can hike all over. There's like 14,000 acres of just trails and wild rock formations and sagebrush and juniper trees. I mean, it's just, it's outstandingly beautiful um, and and free, totally free. Anyhow, um, I want to get straight into today's guests. Uh, did I mention it's free to be here and you can ride a dadgum dirt bike. Uh, one just passed us. Anyhow, sorry. Our guests today. One of them is a guy that we knew from before. His name is J.D. Smith. Now, J.D. and Tiffany and I all met uh, almost a year ago in Joshua Tree, and we've kind of just kept in touch. And he reached out and said he was going to be in a place called Bedavoo, Wyoming, which sounded like some made-up shit, but we went anyway. And uh, while we were there, we met his buddy, Devin Finn. Now, um, the reason they were in Bedavoo was to climb rocks, and they're both awfully damn good at it. JD is an, uh, I would say an Olympian. He's as good at rock climbing, I think, as you can get. He's just constantly trying to get better, but he's not endorsed. He doesn't have any professional deals. He just is dedicated to doing it and getting better and better at it. His pal Devin, however, is a professional. He's doing this for a living. He's sponsored by various companies who sell different stuff and uh they're both just the kindest most thoughtful fun people to be around uh we absolutely had a great time hanging out with them and in the morning um they were both gracious enough with uh, a shitload of coffee and uh cigarettes and reefer and they uh they sat down and told stories and answered my dumbass questions and we had a good time then we followed them, watched them climb rocks, which was really cool because they're both badasses and do things that terrify Tiffany and I. So yeah, that's our guest today, J.D. Smith and Devin Finn. You got to check them out. We'll put up links to their Instagram pages uh, on our website, mtp.dog. Uh, it's, if you go to listen to the podcast, you'll see every guest we've ever had, every song we've ever played, any link we've ever referenced. It's all there. All you got to do is click and type and you're there okay uh thank you to our patreon supporters we love you we greatly appreciate you thank you very much to all of you who are writing reviews on itunes and stitcher that's very helpful we need that and uh i want to tell you we got some stickers uh here comes that dirt bike again i don't know if you can even hear that i'm sure you can you got to be able to hear that sorry uh, we got stickers, okay? Those stickers are beautiful. They're big three by three. Well, they're round. They're three-inch stickers. Um, if you want a sticker, 
for right now, you gotta just send me an email and let me know, and we'll send you a sticker. Uh, we're probably gonna try to sell those eventually, but if you want a sticker, just let me know. Uh, and and we just met with somebody today who's gonna print some shirts. So if you're interested in shirts, um, we'll do some proper commerce stuff, maybe like PayPal or something on the website and we'll sell you a dadgum shirt. Okay, that's it. I really do wanna get straight to this episode. Um, There are so many more good things coming up. I've got bunches and bunches of podcasts in the pipeline, ready to go. Um, So I may, I don't know, we'll see if we do more than one a week, but anyhow, there's lots of good stuff and I cannot wait to share it with you. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you're out there doing fun and interesting things. And uh, I don't know, hope to hear from you. All right, here he comes, JD and Devin. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. You know what I said, please? I said, give me that. Let me hit that. Let Thank you so that. much for the energy that you've just thrown all around us. Like, nice. Go. That was so yeah. refreshing. I really appreciate that. Man. Uh, thank you, guys. I feel like we've we've come into your home. I mean, not just this campground, but just the whole environment of climbing and what you guys bring, what all climbers bring to wherever they go. Yeah. Or all the climbers I've met. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to, to share. So thanks, man. Thank you, baby. Welcome you to Dirtbags. Yeah. <laughs> so we're recording. We're on. This is it. Uh, I'm sitting here with JD and Devin. We're in Vidawu. 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 Uh, it means what? Earthborn spirit. Earthborn spirit. We're in uh, Wyoming on a beautiful Wednesday morning. A little cold, a little, a little windy. Uh, sitting underneath the oldest granite on the planet Sherman granite Sherman granite what do you you said you saw a bunch of signs and you learned a lot about the well, the road about maybe 10 miles from the Medicine Bow National Forest where Vidawu is located is uh, the Lincoln Memorial which is on the side of I-80 as you're heading west and it's it was built over a uh, I think over a long week in I think the 70s as a you know an homage to Abraham Lincoln and his industriousness or I'm not sure exactly what, <laughs> what the highest point on highway 80 yeah and it's oh, the really? highest point on highway 80 which is almost 9,000 feet yeah and it's yeah about- there's just all kinds of great facts in regards to this area and it tells a little about the geology and history of the rock and everything around this area. What's the best part of that, though? It would be the uh, free Wi-Fi and candy that they have <laughs> at the visitor center. Potable water. And potable uh, water. Oh, I guess on. the potable, potable water, water is yeah. kind yeah. of a high. Candy, too. Yeah, the candy, too. But the potable water is... Uh, <laughs> so, so says the guy dipping chocolate into his coffee. Are we not it, supposed to admit it that? It is rather early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it is early. Um, thank you both for, I mean, just letting us be here with you. I know, I know it's free land, but uh, it's just, I don't know, it's pretty great. Coffee's flowing. Coffee's flowing. Yeah, it's a its a beautiful morning. A little yeah. mist has rolled in. The tinge of uh, fall is in the air. Mm-hmm. Aspens yeah. are starting to turn color. Even the dogs are chilling out. That's when you know it's like, it's a good morning when the dogs are just mellow. I mean, somewhat. Somewhat. Ours is, this is as mellow as he gets. That's pretty mellow for him. That's mellow for Philly, yeah. yeah. So uh, I want to talk to both of you guys I mean, about a number of things, but uh, climbing 
you know, I, I'm, I'd like to be strong enough to climb, but I do not want to get up on those rocks, man. Everything in me says stay on the ground. I'm, I don't know if it's just a lack of confidence or if it's a realization that I'm just not the kind of guy who should be scrambling around climbing up stuff, but I have a huge respect for climbers, not just for the physical prowess, which is substantial to be able to get up there and but it's the um, the philosophy behind it, I think is beautiful. And the way that a lot of you guys have, I have heard these conversations about like finding this moment and this, this concentration that I can't even fathom. Church. Yeah. Some people call it church. Church. Yeah. So I want to, I want to get to that sort of thing, but I also like, I'm curious about your lifestyles and I mean, you, JD, you're a, I mean, we met you in Joshua Tree, and you were climbing yeah. in January. I feel like you've been climbing <laughs> ever since. And you, um, uh, Devin, are a, a like a professional climber. This is your work. Yeah, this is this is my job to be out on the road climbing, and yeah, I guess just living. So, so tell me how that works. Either one of you can go first. How does it work that you're out here and this is what you're doing? Well, I. This is Devin. Found myself, you know, enjoying climbing and, you know, just like everybody who, you know, you think this is, this may be the sport for me. This may not be the sport for me. I don't want to go up too high. I'm, I don't know if I'm super afraid of heights, but maybe a lofty position may be what I need in my life. And, at, you know, as a teenager, I saw climbing and saw people in lofty positions and thought, wow. What, what would it take for me to get there and obviously you see climbers being very strong people you know they they have physical prowess they look like they could climb just about anything you see yeah and i thought that's what i you know had to achieve to become a great climber when in actuality i just had to meet interesting folks and interact with them and you know much like anything amazing that we come across people are willing to share their skills and mindset and how they're living with you if you show interest whether it's you know god field hockey soccer cycling cycling anything that people have a passion for they're willing to share it with you and i was blessed to have you know someone be like hey come out and climb with us let's let me show you the ropes and it actually enthralled me like it took a hold of me like nothing ever has you know just moving across a vertical plane as opposed to a horizontal plane where you know you just follow your nose or your feet and go in one direction because that's where you need to be from like a to b you know you just go in that direction as opposed to climbing you're going up and you can still going from A to B still going from A to B but it seems though sometimes it's A to Z <laughs> sure and sometimes everything in between and it's just a, it was just a great thing to do with my teenage years and youth and it literally has carried me to a 40 year old man and I just I can do it now full time thanks to I don't know perseverance hard work hard work working hard on my skill and who knew that with the digital revolution or the age of the internet that someone who was just doing what they thought was fun for years can be harnessed by 
people clicking on your pictures and being like, that's something. Mm-hmm. When all I thought it was was just like information sharing, like, hey, here's a picture of something I did this weekend. And then it turns into like a snowball and it rolls and gets huge and huge. And then like the past two years, it's almost been like an avalanche in my life of like destiny to where I've trained and climbed and enjoyed this my whole life. And now I've come to a point where I can stay on the road full time and climb my life away as long as I stay healthy yeah stay in shape she took me on a Monday that's what I like to see she took me on a Tuesday that's what I do she took me on a Wednesday I wouldn't want to say worried on Thursdays or any other way swore me on Friday she's gonna break your neck Saturday comes around So it seems like you're doing it. I mean that. So that the idea of A to B, what I notice. So just as a guy who's going to stay on the ground watching climbers, it looks to me like A to A, and in between, A to A, because you got to get back down. You know, it's not like you're living up. You've, you've climbed the top, and that's where you're going to stay. You're climbing up and coming back down. It's a whole different thing. It's like taking A to B out of the equation, and it's just you're really enjoying. You've made A real big. You know. It, it's it, it doesn't seem like yeah you want to get to the top yeah. but it's more about the journey of getting back down safely you know it's just from a lay person's perspective watching someone scale like watching people climb the chief and then having to hike back down mm-hmm. or, or watching people do those rocks and index like the 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 goal like again from my dumbass perspective on the ground seems to be able to get back down safely and enjoy the shit out of it and get into another whole other mindset that it just seems unachievable to me without like putting on saffron robes and and trying to concentrate and you know meditate i i look at you guys getting into these states that i can't i can't find so i i don't know where how dumb is that from my perspective i mean is that anything close to what you guys are up to or i think it's like a meditative state is what you reach when you've mastered your skill or mastered at least in your mind you know where i look up at a climb and i'm like wow this i can get from the bottom to the top and back down safely and in between that can be a thousand lessons on self-control strength up doubt like sometimes you'll you'll go up with a grain of sand of doubt in your back pocket about who knows like some life issue you know women uh did i take care of you know stuff i needed to back at camp and by the time you get to the top that little grain of salt could either not exist or be a bowling ball and pulling you back toward mm-hmm. the ground like horrifically yeah and you do have to reach some kind of 
balance in your head where you're physically going to be able to make it, mentally going to be able to be sound as a pound till you get to the top. Yeah. Yeah. And the top isn't really the finish. It's only the halfway point. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm sure JD can tell you, some of these climbs, you get to the top and you're like, I made it. But then you realize, oof, I've got a long way to go to get back down. we got to get back down. Yeah. And I think once you, uh, when you do achieve that state that you're talking about or that they're referencing, like there is nothing else. Like you don't know the ground is there. You don't know. A lot of times the belay doesn't matter. You just are focused on the rock and you lose like everything else it's it is meditative it's hard to describe to somebody that doesn't isn't able to meditate or calm themselves because Devin climbs hard a lot of times it's mind over matter it's it's physical it's hard but then you have the head game in it and you've got to tell yourself it hurts but I like that hurt you know (laughs) or the hurt doesn't matter I'm going yeah I'm just gonna you know what I can control this I can manage it and I can and push on through and then when you're able to do that translates into everything else you do like you're able to get out there and go 14 miles in the back country and look at a line and say I can push through this yeah you know I like that notion of a hurt being a hold because from my little experience in climbing it's all about what you can hang on to with any part of your body it's right. your foot it's your fingers it's maybe your knee or something you're grabbing and and using using hurt as a hold is a kind of cool concept that I think so I was going to ask you what's the What's the takeaway from that meditative state? You get into this point, like where? How does that translate into the rest of your life? You know, where? How do you use that elsewhere? I think you have to like when you travel like we do. There's always obstacles, whether you worry about mechanical obstacles, uh, traffic obstacles, temperature obstacles, wind, whatever the obstacle is. You have to be able to put your head down and persevere through it too so it kind of translates to everything you do in life you know everybody has obstacles how you deal with them is what you know what sets you apart from the others and dealing you know with climbing and taking what you take away from it is a big a big plus because you know some people when they get stressed out or whatever they you know turn to I don't know, the computer, it's a great way to relieve some stress is to look at another world or be somewhere else or get a bottle and crack that sucker open and drink it until, you know, you have no problems. or Some people go run. Yeah, go run. run. Right. Light yeah. one up. Any, like anything to... Uh, it is that gets you away from... What you perceive as your stress or your troubles. Right. And I just found at a, at a... You know, I was blessed to find at a young age that climbing you know can relieve all those stresses and the lessons you learn in climbing you can take right into your normal day-to-day life like you know you can press through some of these 
sections of the climbs that are hard and make it to the end where the climb eases off and you get the reward of the climb getting easier and getting to the top. And, you know, sometimes in life it's just like that where shit, the bottom of life may be a real crusher and you don't think you can make it through it, but when you do hit those big juicy holds and you can hold on real tight and cruise all the way to the top, you know, it's very, uh, very rewarding and climbing's allowed that, you know, allowed me to have that mindset for a lot of things, you know, that if I can, if I rope up smartly and hit all the right holds and breathe correctly and save my strength for the end, because though the end might not be as hard as the bottom was, you still have to have a little something extra in the tank to pull you into the finish. And that's a, that's served me well all throughout my life. Cause yeah. And sometimes it's actually helped me shit the bed, which I've done quite a bit of. <laughs> well, here it's hard, like half of the problem here is I think a lot of times is getting off the ground, mm. you know, but that's like everything else. Yeah. That first, yeah, first lift off. Got to go. Yeah. Got to make, commitment and yeah. there can't be doubt yeah you know what jdb means by here is uh the voo the voo because it's not like i mean joshua tree indian creek yosemite all no. these great venues <laughs> have different styles of climbing yeah and this the, place the hard part on those areas are different you know, they may not be at the bottom. They may not be. It just may be the whole place in general. But here in the VU, the Sherman Granite is very sharp. And it's hard to get going right off the ground because you know... It will cut you. It's going to cut you <laughs> and roll you out and make you so tired. And I've never climbed so far in such short distance as most of the climbs here in the VU are, you know, average 60 feet tall. Whoa. 70 feet tall and that's a tall one and after about 20 feet you're like boy whew, I've climbed about a thousand feet and I'm whooped how much further are these anchors where am I going and none of it seems like it's terribly high right I mean none of the, we're, we're up really high but I haven't I mean I haven't gone back in there yet to no, see what we're looking at but tall wall climbing here it's yeah, uh, as technical as it's is te all get out right that's it's just hard climbing. It's yeah. off with crack on um, some hard rock that takes good gear. Yeah. Well, so let's transition the gear. Let me ask you about that. Because there is like a, I mean, it is your work, Devin. Like this is your job. Can you explain to me what your, what your job is? Like how, how does this work? What are you doing? <laughs> so this is a great question. Good Lord. So my job as a climber representing companies in the climbing industry is I come out and you know what what's hot I guess in the industry or what people look on the Instagram and see as interesting just happens to be the style of climbing that I have spent my life getting good at which is off with climbing which is an off size so it's not necessarily you hold on to face holds it's filling in the space that isn't there. So you'll have a crack in the rock, which looks like any crack that you've ever seen anywhere. And these climbs, you go up said crack, filling it up with your body parts. And get up in it. 
off with climbing is an off size. Like you can't just put your hand in and pull up and you can't just put your fingers in and pull up. You have to use somewhat of a combination of your hands and your fists or your knees or the side of your body or just your hip or some cases your head to wedge you in to yeah. make it to the top of these fissures. And it's such head. an odd way of climbing versus like the typical face climbing that a lot of climbers are coming out of gyms that, that uh, go to rock gyms. They're considered face climbing, so their contact with the rock is uh, fingers and toes uh-huh. and feet, you know, hands and feet. This is a full contact type of climbing. Yeah. Off-way climbing is your entire body sometimes is against a rock or your back is against a chimney and you're pushing against the wall in front of you and you're just like scurrying up between two slabs that yeah. are, you know, four foot apart. Wow. Or sometimes they're it's 10 inches apart and you've got one side in, yeah. you know, holding into the one side and you've got a very technical, I think, for a slab climber, technical style of doing feet work to get you up get safely. You up. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's just about like wedging your parts in as opposed to holding on. Right. Yeah. And wedge, wedge climbing versus tension. Hang on. Yeah. yeah. A lot of core. Like I noticed climbing here for the last two weeks, my core. Sore. And yeah. Well, you're like tense. You're like, I'm up in there. And like, yeah, like a climbing plank or climbing push-ups or something. Yeah, yeah. and you're pushing every which way. Huh. Your elbows are above your head. Your head's jammed in between two rocks. And you're smiling the whole way. You're like, yeah, this is great. And <laughs> it is yeah. fun. And it, and that, that style of climbing is, I guess, not what set me apart, but it put me on a different, uh, a different plane of what people did do. Mm. So when Off With has recently become popular in the past couple years, I was lucky enough to meet up with my current climbing partner, who's one of the strongest female climbers on the planet. And we've just come out on the road and started doing things together with our combined knowledge of the sport and really just changing the game and setting it right and yeah because there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there doing what i love and what i've put my what years and decades of my life into has become very uh Showy. in in vogue and yeah, yeah. it's Showy. what what people are doing now and it's good i love it because it brings light to my style of climbing that never was there because off with climbing was considered, you know, for the misfits, the for the boys, the bad boys and bad girls all. Yeah, like people who yeah. didn't want to conform or whatever. And never in a thousand years did I think it would be kitschy or cool to do. And now that it is, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and I really like it because it's brought a lot of new blood to the sport and interesting people's outlooks on what's happening has changed and i i really like it it's an interesting time to be an off with climber and to be 
you know, sponsored out on the road climbing full time. Well, it kind of makes sense that it uh, evolved to this because face climbing and overhanging climbing can only can you can only do so much. You can you can climb that really really hard mm-hmm. and uh, exert a lot of phys- physical energy if you're looking for the next step of contact with the rock. Right. You know. Off with climbing is worth that. So I'm trying to get my head around how you're actually able to make a living. I mean, is it just testing gear and taking pictures and sharing your experience and you get paid for that? Or Yeah, like um, some of my sponsors give me money to take their product out and promote it in the in vogue off with industry right now. If you, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening, there's certain people who are influential in the industry just much like you know anyone who plays basketball or whatever they get an endorsement deal or whatever it is to promote a product and i'm you know you get to put your name on something and they get to promote you Mm. using their product and that in turn you know it's not big money but it's enough to keep rolling down the highway keeps keeps my coffee hot yeah keeps my belly full at night and I mean professional athletes in different genres make good money I mean Mm -hmm. being out on the road being a full-time climber it doesn't really fully pay the bills I mean me and my girlfriend both have sponsors and between that and writing articles about you know safety and gear reviews and stuff like that it puts enough coin in our pockets to you know live on the road because this much like you guys know this isn't like a crusher nine to five gig where you're like oh my god the water heater went out in the house you know the kids need new shoes like there's there's certain things that you can really rub your pennies together living on the road and you just get into a same a rhythm like everybody else has, you know, living day to day, going to work, you know, living at home, having their weekends to themselves, you know, but almost, it seems though every day is our weekend. And I can't tell you how many times JD has asked me, what day is it? Well, you know, it's, it's hard to keep track someday. It is hard to keep track. And yeah. It's it's but really it's also hard to use a debit card out here, or you know, <laughs> don't take. Who's going to take cash? Yeah, you know, so you kind of nothing learn, to buy. There's nothing to buy, and that really it's about the experience. Cuts down on yeah. your overhead, and so there is enough money that does come in through endorsing products and trying products because you know other companies like what you're doing and they see your brand or who you're reaching. 
uh, you know, via the internet, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, mm-hmm. and they want, you know, they want a piece of that pie. They want to get their product out there or whatever it is. And yeah. if it's in the climbing industry or oriented to living out in the desert or, you know, wherever you are on the road, some of these things really cut down on <coughs> your cost of living because sure. it's something that you can use. And that just makes it a little easier all the time too. Yeah. And uh, we do clinics and stuff and, you know, share our experience with people and sometimes those do entail a little bit of money i mean neither of us are certified guides or anything but we are athletes and you know there's guides there who are qualified in the eye of they have a piece of paper that says that they paid money or whatever no no taking any digs at any guides or anything but that's just the way they're making their living Mm -hmm. and i respect that but you know at the same time we don't go out like trying to book clinics and trying to teach people what we're doing like if it comes down the road it's really nice to do because sharing your experience with people is always amazing yeah and yeah it's i mean we spend all summer here in vedu and it's kind of a flat easy accessible area it's it's basically prairie with big rocks so you can see people and you can bump into people quite easy and because me and my girlfriend are somewhat high profile climbers you know people recognize us and we meet up with them and they're like hey can we hang out and climb and of course you can hang out and climb we we love people yeah and yeah we interact with literally hundreds of people this summer we have met up with and taken climbing and gone out climb with them and shared our experience and and that makes it really easy because that's probably being paid that pays better better than any of the sponsors or anything else because you get to see these people's genuine feelings towards something they're passionate about yeah and it isn't their job and it's just their leisure activity that they really love and to be able to share that with them and get their perspective on god what is it like to just be out living the dream and you know you don't want to make it sound as fun as it really is you want to be like oh god live not having somewhere to be and you know we're out here on the road and it's it's you know it's pretty fun and i really love it and i would do anything to stay out here like this and just interact with beautiful people the rest of my life because I think that I'm probably one of the richest people I know. Yes. Because my bank account's not that huge, but my my life and love wallet is giving me back problems because I can't even sit down. It's so good. Uh, so the vibe last night, we got here, you know, a little bit before sunset and parked, and uh, it reminded me of JD when we first met you. It was just an immediate camaraderie an immediate sort of uh, you're welcome here yeah glad you're here what do you got let's all share let's let's have this like kind of experience together um and i noticed with with climbers and i guess it's just the nature of the sport i mean there's someone on the ground in in a lot of circumstances who's trying to keep you safe and it seems like the kind of thing where there's always a mentor you know even people who are equal skill levels 
you're all you can see things from the ground that the person up top can't see mm-hmm. and you're you're always trying to mentor one another and that you've got this role where you can mentor people you know who are <laughs> either in this analogy on the ground or up on the rock virtually you said you've met people from all over the world who follow you or are interested in what you're doing and they meet up with you and you can you can help guide virtually and in reality in a way that I don't know that other sports really have. Now you can be a real, uh, an, an actual mentor to people that you've never met. That's a really, really cool thing. Is that Was that any any way your goal? Did you ever think like, all right, man, I want to go out and, and teach people? Never. I never thought in a million years I would be able to reach as many people as I have with just something that I thought was a great way to get rid of some teenage angst. And and it took like full circle life experience for me to actually cruise down this highway when my son, who at the time was 15 or 16, said, hey, dad, you should get on Instagram and start an account because people will be interested in what you're doing. And I'm like, what's Instagram? It's life-sharing pictures of people doing what they're doing. And he said, you don't need to write down some big, long diatribe about your feelings. You can just post your pictures, and people like them. And, you know, you can see, you know, get out what you're doing and show people where you're climbing and what's going on. And I thought, cool, you know. Set me up an account because I'm very, not ignorant, but I have no clue as to, I ain't got too many book teachings, but I can push <laughs> on my buttons. And he he set me up an account and, you know, I posted, you know, some interesting pictures and it went through the roof. Like I had a lot of followers instantly who were interested in what I was doing. Yeah. And it it kind of blew me away and... I continued to post pictures and do stuff along the lines of making my Instagram good because, you know, some of it is self, most of it and all of it is actually self-promotion. But if you share your experiences, other people are doing the same thing and through no fault of your own, they're like, wow, what climb is that? Where is it? And you can share that knowledge and they go have a genuine experience there with their friends and through that I was able to you know be here out on the road full time and then their little bubble on the Instagram says so and so 72 is in the desert and they you know can we meet up can we hang out and you know wow sure you're now a tangible human being that is in front of me and I didn't think that just starting a little account or whatever they want to say it is would bring so many beautiful people and amazing experiences into my life because the climbing is very rewarding and a very selfish pursuit because you're, you're pretty much climbing for yourself all the time. And any climber will probably boldface tell you that because it is, you know, nobody's like going to the top for you know hungry kids in africa like they're going to get to the top so they can be there you know and accomplish something yeah and 
being out here being able to influence and see these people from all over the planet who reach out and they're like I want to meet up and I want to climb and having these authentic experiences with them because it's not like you're held to some standard like you're famous on the Instagram or in the magazine so people think you're inaccessible with Instagram they can reach out and you can type a couple words and instantly you'll be like oh wow this person's a prick I don't want to have anything to do with them (laughs) or you can be like wow this will probably be a very interesting experience with another human being yeah that you know may be a friendship that lasts forever or we may get a cool Instagram picture a high five and some free chocolate out of the deal and be down the road you know (laughs) but I have never in a million years did I think that just typing pictures in and you know smiling in them and doing what I love would take me where I am now the one thing I really like about um, and I've been resistant social media all this sort of stuff I've not really been keen on it but the it is kind of redefining the idea of fame you know if you recognize famous yeah but it's it's whatever it's the famous but it's also it's accessibly well known Whereas fame is this, like, George Clooney's not a real Thank you. person to me. You know, I know he's a real guy. I believe he's human. He's got feelings. He's got, but he's a concept to me. You yeah. know, uh, you. I, I'm not going to become pals with Scarlett Johansson. You know, they're an idea. They're this thing. But, uh, sure. These, you know, the your interaction with people via Instagram and your notoriety is is accessible. And you're a, you are a real person that they can just send a note to. But also, you got to think, too, that in the climbing world, so you could go out and ride your bike, but the chances of you running into George Hincapie or whatever right. are few and far between. Sure. What country road are you going to be on? When you come to an area like this, or you go to the valley, or you go to J-Tree, your chances of running into uh, someone that, has a pro deal or is insta famous is going to be higher because we're just walking on laps around rocks here looking yeah. at lines yeah you know so the chances of running into somebody or that you have met or communicated with or followed on instagram is higher really high. yeah yeah and this it's a beautiful thing sport it's a cool community it's a cool community yeah and, and it's it is a community it's not just a Right, a sport, yeah. but that starts with like your belay. You go back to that. There's a lot of trust that's put into a belay because when you're catching somebody that's taking whippers on hard routes, you gotta. They gotta know that you're there. Yeah. Will you say that again in English? <laughs> 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 taking whippers, yeah. falling. Because so the so for the belay is the guy on the ground the guy or a guy or ground. lady on the yeah. ground making sure that. If you do fall, they're going to catch you, and you're going to hook on that that last, last wherever they hook you. Okay, yeah. yeah and a whipper is when you just fall. That's that's a big yeah. fall. You yeah. you build a system when you're climbing, much like with anything you do, and you have a rope that is in between you and your climbing partner, which is your belayer, and that rope connects you to him, and his job is to keep you safe to make sure you don't hit the ground, to give you that 
third eye that you don't have because mm-hmm. when you're pinned up against a wall and yeah. you're you're strung you know on a rope in between you and him there's stuff you can't see that he can and goes hey you know look out to your right or over there watch yeah. the rope watch the rope because it can you know get it off your leg or, get yeah. around your leg and in traditional climbing which trad climbing is you have camming devices and pieces of protection that you put into the crack which you fish into constrictions or little spots in the rock where you can stop place a piece clip your rope to it using a carabiner and then that is a point of protection on the rock so if you fall say above it you're only going to go as far as your protection is so if you're like two feet above it you might take a four foot fall but your yeah. belayer sees you going and they take the rope and yeah. they pull in the rope and hold you tight and i mean in theory that's the way it's all supposed to go and it's really pretty and you go down the road and keep climbing yeah. but you know just like in life and everything else you know sometimes the rope gets around your foot or the piece of protection you put in is actually shite and it waddles out the second the second you fall it goes on it. with you yeah, yeah. and you know in a You're perfect like, oh, world oh shit yeah the, it's not gonna be good you know the rope and everything work perfectly and so do you with your belayer and you get to the top and you can bring them up or be lowered down which is they'll follow you and you'll just basically belay them from the top and it's a reverse of what they just did for you but you're on top cheering them on as they come up cleaning out the protection that you left in or unclipping the bolts that you put to keep yourself safe yeah um and yeah it's a very it's a very connected type of thing with your partner that you know they they're literally your life is in their hands and that shouldn't sound like and your life is in your hands right because you're placing the pro that's keeping you off the ground too. yeah like you got a it's not something this style of climbing is not something you just walk out here and you you got shiny pieces of gear from the gear store and you're gonna shove it in some rock and and go up that's that's not what the you know you got to have some level of knowledge of how to place the pro here uh a lot of the pro here is huge and there there are people who go around and make routes right and that is that a is that just a type of climber who goes around and creates a new route and literally sets in gear for other people to follow yeah yeah have you ever have you ever either of you ever done that that's that's yeah, that's that's what I that, that's, that's my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, is uh, I'm considered a desert first ascensionist. First ascensionist by first, a, a yeah. lot of, I mean, just in the community. I mean, you never want to toot your own whistle, but like I said, being one of these climbers, you're pretty much promoting yourself in what you do, mm-hmm. and I been up a few rocks in the creek. Yeah, I learned to climb down in Indian Creek which is in southwestern Utah it's the only swarth of concentrated Wingate sandstone that's fractured in a certain way with perfect vertical cracks that go for hundreds and hundreds of feet straight up and they're just they'll be parallel Uh or they can 
get water and but they're just beautiful and they sometimes zigzag sometimes cut off they're just wow it's hard to describe and i uh i lucked out and learned to climb from you know some desert first ascensionists in the early 90s living in durango colorado which is in the four corners area which is butted right up to indian creek it's about two hours away and yeah taken under the wing by some wouldn't say old timers but you know just friends who are you know living the type of lifestyle i am now but before there was before the internet before yeah. computer right <laughs> but everything was uphill both ways right yeah. and i mean it wasn't that long ago but in like oh my god perspective and yeah. retrospect like yes the mid 90s in indian creek in southwestern utah was the perfect place to be for a young kid who was as interested as I was in rock climbing, who was on the verge of everything getting really awesome technology-wise for the sport to yeah, the advances advance really right there. I was on happened. the cusp, and I learned old-school ethic from these cats, and I got strong, and... I saw that we would walk up to these desert splitters and there would be a, a plaque is, you know, just like the word sounds, it's like a plaque that has information written on it in regards to the climb. And it's... They leave them at the base of the climb. Yeah. Etch it in. Like a modern petroglyph. A, like yeah, a modern, modern petroglyph. Petroglyph is uh, okay. who did the route and the route name. and That's beautiful. And I remember seeing these things and being like, God... Steve Hong was here in 1985 putting up first ascents with nine uh, modern camming device, maybe a handful. He just relied on his straight-up skill and endurance to do these things. That's amazing to me. I'm going to try to climb Steve Hong routes with modern technology and get up there. And more than likely, you wouldn't get, you know, being a teenager, early 20s, I didn't get up there. I got up there eventually, yeah. pulling on gear and cussing <laughs> like a sailor. And But I knew eventually... A lot of cussing. I could get good. And I spent years down there getting good and saw that there were lines that weren't filled in. There was no plaque at the bottom of them and there was no anchors. And they were like... I learned from, you know, the, God, the forefathers of desert climbing that, you know, hey, here's how you do it in good style. You start from the ground, you go up, you stop when the crack ends or the, a ledge presents a spot and you drill anchors and you do good work and you do it by hand and you leave it for the future and people to enjoy and you write a plaque at the bottom and put your name in and it's kind of like a Flintstone registry and here it is. <laughs> I love that. And I thought that was the coolest shit and I thought, oh my God, if I could put a plaque up and a route that dictates my style of climbing, generations in the future will come to this and be like, wow, that Devin must be eight foot tall and... <laughs> ripped but, no I'm just joking <laughs> because that's how I seen some of these legends I mean I seen Steve Hong as 10 feet tall with 
fists the size of boxing gloves and absolutely shredded like a piece of wood and just Just amazing. Yeah. Determination. And I met Dr. Hong a couple years ago and he's maybe five foot six Asian man. Like he's kind of thin. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit, I have your perspective of what you think someone is. I mean, I guess it's the old Paul Bunyan that, you know. Gets bigger through time. Yeah. And as time has passed i've i raised a son out in indian creek you know taking him out there climbing and and now i'm here i just turned 40 years old this year and i go back to the desert every year and i see my name and the date scribbled in on these Ah, pieces of stone from the 90s and i think oh my god what have you did just this you're now this eight foot Sure, and sometimes in my mind I get on these things that I climbed when I was 20-something, and I'm like, (laughs) I remember doing this, and I was a real bad mother... Holy smokes, and I can barely get up the thing, and I'm like, dude, is that that age? Am am I getting old, or am I not strong as I used to be? But then I get on some of the climbs that I just recently put up, and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that again. But I know I couldn't have done it 20 years ago because yeah. I wouldn't have had the foresight or balls or maybe just blind stupidity to try something like that then. Yeah. But now, having filled up my mind with time spent in the desert, it seems possible or passable. Before, because I want to ask you some kind of like sort of standard questions about, you know, like where do you get the agency to say if, say somebody wants you to test out a piece of gear and you're like, this thing sucks. You're free to say that. You can be like, no, I don't want to, right? I mean, you're just going to tell people, no, this is not the piece of gear for me. Good luck using it. Or do you have agency to do that? Or Sure. I mean, it's much like um, the climbing industry, everything is like safety oriented. You know, you... You want to climb on the best rope. Yeah. You want to climb on the best pieces of gear. You want to have shoes that are good sticky rubber and things that don't fall apart. Because it's not like... I'm not saying in golf, if you have a club that breaks and it's not that great of a club, you know, nobody's going to die over that situation. (laughs) But in the climbing industry, if someone is like, hey, you know, here's a great new cam, you're going to fucking love it. We got a lot of money if you put your name and brand on this thing and tell everybody this thing's bitching Camaro. Like, sweet, that sounds like an awesome deal. 
let's get the cam or whatever it is and you take it out and it it totally is dangerous and it's just not user friendly i mean someone in a i don't know a, a box somewhere who's drawing stuff down and has an idea that's awesome but like field testing stuff is very important and i think yeah. maybe that's where this lifestyle becomes possible in a you know mouse whisker of the sense because things like that yeah you that's few and far between right There's not that many people out there making like something that's not experimental cams. right it's not yeah. A, yeah. but you know. any anything like that you know like you you do have freedom to be like yeah you know this thing might get people hurt or it is easy to use if you have this set of skills but this right. isn't going to go to the market of the people you're trying to reach with your product you know yeah stuff like that so you're free to just so the reason i'm asking that it we talked a minute ago about WIO, the World Eskimo Indian Olympics, and the sort of um, ethos behind that, where it's not that you're trying to become great for the sake of your own greatness, even though you did say, you know, you're, it is a fairly selfish or solitary pursuit to make it up to the top of the thing. It seems like the whole point of being a climber and being around other climbers is to make everybody better at it and make it safer for everyone and get everybody up, at least on the rock, or all the right people up on the rock. And right. up there safely and back down, uh, it's got that same ethic to me. And uh, I know you're you're of Crow um, Indian descent. Oh, uh, my mother is a full-blooded Crow Indian. Full-blooded Crow. Does do you feel like you take any of those that sort of um, ethic or that sort of uh, what you learn from your mother from that culture? Does that any way inform your climbing or how you conduct? Um, of course, I I believe that I conduct my whole life around my beliefs, just like you know a good christian does or a good muslim or anybody they definitely take their religious beliefs not only you know to work with them but day to day to to sleep at night everywhere mm -hmm. and you know being you know of native american descent and being you know of the land it's yeah it's being out here and having a community of people and stuff it feels almost like my modern day tribe like even yeah. though everyone i surround myself with isn't often you know brown or whatever they say is you know makes your tribe yeah but um i think that everyone adopts something on like that whether it's who you're around or who you're with and i feel super blessed to have that knowledge of my people to be able to take out to the crag with me and bring that respect with me every step I take and whether it be the medicine bow or whether it be down in southern Utah or God anywhere that you're outside and the sun's hitting your face and you know the sky is pretty blue like just being outside and living it and loving it, it isn't any more spiritual for me than it is anybody else but I do feel that super thick connection yeah that is super easy to take everywhere i go yeah and very easy to share because this is uh the americas are very beautiful and yeah. it has a lot of there's a lot of heritage and stuff here that is isn't overlooked but it's just it's pretty in your face but not mainstreamed in your face yeah and almost every state in the union you go to there is a 
a native tribe or a native people who were there before, you know. Yeah. The, and the first ascensioners. Right. Before the, the real first ascensionists. Yeah. Ascensionists. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just beautiful to, uh, be able to share that kind of knowledge and experience with everybody. Yeah. So speaking of sharing experience, JD, uh, when we first met you, you were saying that you have like shifted gears in your own life in a way that people can't quite get their head around. Like you had a very, very different life than you do now. Do you mind sharing some of that? Uh, I'm a commercial photographer and I had, I traveled a lot. I did sports events and mortgage, car payment, boat, all the goodies. Just tired of it, you know. I mean, I still consider like the van a mortgage, you know. And you got you you have repairs. Yeah. People have water heaters go out. I have tires that need to be replaced. You know, you have oil changes more than you know, you do solar setups, you know, whatever. Yeah. You advance your home, you advance your van. Right. So you still it's, have expenses, but You were living in New York, is that right? Or where, uh, where were you? Last place I lived was Lake Norman. Okay. Yeah, North Carolina. Mm. But you were traveling all traveling over, all over um, high-profile clients and that whole thing, right? Right. Traveled about 200, 220 nights a year for a while. And hotels, rental cars, studios, events, standing in line for credentials. I mean, it just, it did. After a while, it sounds like it's going to, it's a, uh, it's cool, but after so many years, it's just not. Yeah. You know, the whole the hotels and rental cars and all that stuff gets old. Did you have a moment where you were like, it was like an aha, oh shit, this yeah. is not, this doesn't fit anymore? Right. Uh, yeah, I was sitting in a studio, had a client in front of me in the lights, and wasn't. I wasn't dictating how the shoot was going. I had a creative director, which is cool and all, but I got that immersed into it. And I turned around and looked, and there's like 20-something people standing behind me. I'm like, this is not why I got into photography. Yeah. You know, this is not... I love photography, but that's not where I wanted it to be. Yeah. And I was like, okay, time to time to make a change figure it out something different yeah. do something different and it wasn't like one giant step you know it was like okay I gotta dismantle this to go mantle to put this together yeah you know you just gotta start downsizing finding other ways yeah figuring it out what do you want to do? Go on a road trip, you know, see the Southwest. Okay, let's go. Yeah. What was the connection to climbing? Were you already a climber before this or 
how did you come to be because you're on the road a lot now i mean yeah i've been on the road off and on like i'll rent a airbnb or rent a place for a while if i want to you know chill or find a spot and i'm tired of being in a van yeah there's plenty of places that you can rent a room right and you usually can get a parking spot yeah. you know so do that whenever i want to get out of the van yeah and uh four years now i think it's been and what what was the connection to climbing how did you find that is like because it's uh, for so I, it's clearly a passion for you Devin. like it's i mean you're not just out there making paychecks it's your passion right. but like you're doing this without a paycheck from, yeah i don't you don't have a sponsor <laughs> i don't have a sponsor yeah this is no, love of the game man. i just, love climbing yeah. Yeah. like the community of climbers is just it's hard to when you get in it you'll know hmm. you know it's like where well, you've seen it coming in hanging around climbing spots yeah you know we welcome you like you pull up you want to hang out here there's flat spots pull up a tent yeah you know we'll make chili together <laughs> you know we'll throw brats on the fire grill steaks whatever bring it and it's kind of that uh camaraderie that keeps you know, like traveling around like meeting people and going to j tree and hanging out in j tree for a month you meet people like you guys and then yeah. You meet these other people, and then all of a sudden you run into that guy in Tinsley, Wyoming, in the middle of nowhere, coming out of a brewery, you know, and you're like, hey, hey, what's up? And you haven't seen this guy for six months, but instantly you're like, back in it, back in it, and four pitchers of beer later, you're like, let's go climb tomorrow, and, yeah, you know, you spend the next three days together, and you're lost, and you don't know it's Sunday. Yeah. You know? And there's always good stories to re-catch up on, like living this lifestyle where you get to meet the same people you've already met before. Yeah, You get to share stories about where they've been and where you're going and what's getting done and draw inspiration from them. I mean... Because we all follow the weather. I mean, pretty much follow, like, certain climbing seasons. People go to Smith Rock. It's Smith Rock time. It's valley time. It's creek season. It's time to go to the woo you know yeah so um you've climbed both of you climb with i mean i would say dozens not hundreds of people in your life like you two did not know each other before meeting here no, no. so so me and <laughs> the uh, welsh kids me and my girlfriend are out here and we've been in the boo since june i don't know third we met our buddy chris shrivers who's from the netherlands and I've, I've coined him the Dutch Crusher because he, you know, has a very straight-laced job and uh, he doesn't climb full-time, but he trains and he constantly sends us videos and pictures of what he's doing and, you know, they he builds a machine that he keeps in his flat in the city and he trains on it to come out and meet up with me and my girlfriend and climb these amazing routes and he's just so strong and his commitment is just amazing but he's on like the other side of the planet and he's constantly messaging us and letting us know what he's doing and so we came out in june to meet up with him and oh my goodness it just it's from there like 
we he was here for three weeks and then he had to go home and then we met up with some some other folks who were passing through and then more people and more people and then we hear messages from folks and they're going to meet us and it's awesome and then we hear the uh our buddy tom's one of his friend's kids or nephews is going to be out here and these some welsh boys and i was like oh sweet we totally got time for some welsh lads and there was like you know three of them and they were you know in their early 20s and i mean who there was four when i met i met them in rushmore we were climbing up in custer and wow mount rushmore area in the black hills and they came in the climbers camp and pulled in in this uh Ford Burgundy Ford Taurus that they had bought in Boston for like a couple grand and <laughs> with two Welsh flags sitting out of the top yes. two Welsh flags <laughs> on the rear window and five pounds of licorice probably ten pounds of candy and various forms and they had stocked up and absolute American <laughs> trash food <laughs> yeah it was Just awesome <laughs> had, they had like the car was like sunk so low they had all the gear in the trunk and there was four guys at the time and uh, they pulled in the climbers camp and instantly we were like out in the parking lot and buddies everybody was having a good time so they wanted to uh, go climb Devil's Tower mm-hmm. and I was like it's going to be hot at Devil's Tower and I'm going I'm going south I'm going to be so they went to Devil's Tower and then they we came down and met each other again and we were camping right down the road from here and they were like well we're supposed to go meet up with um pam and devin do you want to go with us did you know who devin was were you aware of him as a honestly no yeah i mean i i follow certain people on instagram but you got to be fucking kidding me jd no i had no idea yeah and uh i'm like well yeah (laughs) yeah i'll meet that guy i'll go with that guy so uh we came down met met with them and super nice they took us out and kicked our ass yeah like put us on some hard hard shit and like we we got worked we were like let's do that again (laughs) let's do that again tomorrow yeah and uh next thing you know we were all camping down here they were like come down here move your camp down here let's all hang out so we made a not fire living room yeah it's lovely uh, over here man (laughs) where we don't have a fire but we hang out like an outside living room and we got the you know fans all set up yeah climbed hard for a week was it i don't know jd was it a week was it a week (laughs) what is today what is today yeah it's it was awesome when jd came in with the welsh boys because it was a whole another group of energy and you know like we're not karmatic or soul vampires but when other people come in you're like oh tell us your story where have you been (laughs) and it's awesome because you get to hear and talk about other people's climbing experiences and and there's no shortage of that i mean like climbers are truly like the trekkies of small talk like you want to you know i'm sure some star trek fans could sit down in a room 
and just bunches of them from all over the world and sit there and go yeah. for hours and it would be super interesting but climbers i mean they can talk for hours about the same four foot section of a climb <laughs> and i was up on the thing and i, and I reached ah and i could well when i was on that section i was good and i, I couldn't reach i said ah you know and <laughs> and it's 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 kind of maddening because yeah. you know you would think after being on the road me and my girlfriend have been on the road for 15 months that this would get like you'd get so tired of it and you'd be like oh god let me guess you went ah and you couldn't do them. No, I am just as excited every night yeah. around the campfire or the non-campfire to mm-hmm. talk about those exact same things as I was when I was a 17-year-old boy out in the desert hearing someone go, all right, and we were at the thing and I said, ah. <laughs> it hasn't lost. It's still got this thing. It's still got that yeah. same where you're like, oh, 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 because oh, I was there and I, yeah. oh, I, I understand what you were going, you know. And I've never found a group of people or even a sport that was like that. No. I mean, last night you guys were talking, and it seemed to me on first blush that it was you guys had known each other forever. Like, you were old climbing pals and knew each other. But the way you, uh, you Devin, were telling a story about JD climbing yesterday on some particularly tough shit. Yeah. And the, the way that you told the story about him experience in that climb uh it was clear you had a mutual respect for one another you know you respected him on the ground and you respected what he was trying to do in that i guess you called it a chimney where you were climbing up do you mind telling that story while i walk away and well i I definitely did not want to miss this story because because you know jd come out with the welsh boys and you know the welsh boys like off with and had climbed off with before right jd's a slab climber well JD's not an off worth So JD has been climbing with us and getting very strong over what I would say like a month or a week. And we come up to this chimney, which is not quite an off with size. It's more like when you were a kid and you were going down the hallway and you're like, <laughs> watch this, mom. And you started going up the hallway until your head touched the ceiling or you hit the lamp and you get down. So you're more like a full stem or you're back against the wall and your feet on the other side, belly up, belly down, either way. So both ways. So there's a great chimney <laughs> up at this area that we're climbing at and JD, you know, comes over to me and says, Hey man, what do you think about that chimney? And I said, JD, it's got bolts, it's protected which your bolts are where someone has pre-placed a, a steel hanger with an actual bolt because the climb drilled into the rock drilled into the rock which yeah. is either too in this case too wide to protect or you know just where you needed protection you couldn't put in you couldn't put put in gear putting gear just too wide so i says jd look it's only like 5 bolts you know, you've Only. got you've got this thing. It's not that hard. Let's let's get after it. So JD gets excited. He puts on his armor because out here in the Vu, you need quite a bit of clothes because the like we mentioned the rock will sand you down. Yeah. So JD like a cheese grater <laughs> proceeds to clip the first bolt, starts up, and he's confident. You know, he's been camping with us, hanging out. He's in great shape. 
gets to the second bolt and there's probably 10, 10 feet in between each of these bolts, which is a good body length if you're stretched all the way out. So, so JD's, you know, kind of huffing, kind of puffing. And now mind you, he hasn't climbed only 20 feet. He's probably climbed like 30 <laughs> because it's a long way. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's like, imagine just pushing two walls apart as they were trying to squish it. For, t- for just feet. For yeah. feet going. For quite some ways. And then imagine that, that same thing that's trying to push you together and you're trying to push apart. Kind of leans to the left and then backwards. So you kind of want to slide out. So JD is making great progress. And he gets the second bowl clip and now he's cruising up past it. And the distance between the second bolt and the third bolt was i wouldn't say mannheim steamroller but <laughs> it's considerably <laughs> it's considerably longer than the first two the first two but at this point you're up in yeah. the air and you know if, if you're you, in there by that if time, you, you're like if you did fall out it would probably be not a good scene but it's there and it's safe and if you you know you you'd be okay yeah so jd's cruising up and he's starting to you know you, you can hear the uh the old pump meter kind of maybe maxing out and JD's making doubtful noises. Like. <laughs> well, it gets real tight. It goes from like literally pressing against the wall to all of a sudden it's the, your arm, you're barely wider than your own body. Your elbows are beside you and you're pushing against the wall right in front of your face and your legs are extended out. You're like this that your toe is pointed you're like your knees against the wall your heels against the wall for everyone out there jd is mimicking and pantomiming a cockroach or a t-rex in his chair i call it t-rex you got little arms and i got big i'm a big guy so you get up in there and like my can't get around so jd comes to said t-rex pinch and he's quite a ways above this bolt But the other one is maybe like six feet up from where he needs to be. And uh, and he goes, oh, man, Devin, I'm coming out. And I'm, I'm, oh, well, J.D., don't fall here. And, you know, as your climbing partner and the belayer, you know. Don't fall here. J.D., kind of a big boy. I'm not saying I'm a little feather, but I was like, whoa, I definitely don't want to catch J.D. sliding out of this thing now. Let's maybe get to that next bolt, and then we could talk about it. So JD, and he starts going, and he gets about five feet above where he was before. <laughs> I pushed through, and then he falls right the fuck out. Oh no! And he came Gone. coming down, scratching, and flips upside down, and looks at me, and I look at him. How I'm horizontal Ooh. as I come out of the Holy chimney. Holy shit! Like I slid out, and because of the oh protection and the way it is. The fall is safer if you come out of it and start right. going down the it. scraper all the way down. So it literally like swings you out. But I came out horizontal feet. Yeah, J- first. JD didn't get hurt, but boy, did he get scratched up. Yeah. <laughs> I like that ride. distinction. I got scratched, but I'm not hurt. Yeah. No. Whew. It was a. Uh, and you did it again. Yeah. You did it how many more times? Well, I more time? came down. Took a moment, or three. Definitely about a half hour break. <laughs> I think it was a little bit longer than a half hour. And I, I mean, walked it, around for a minute because I, when I first tried it, I uh, tried it uh, face down mm. into the slant. So I was like, 
different than I should have been. So you tried a whole new orientation on so the second run. The, the second run, I turned my back the other way and pressed up and did pretty much the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, J.D. didn't press on to the great unknown and take the whipper from the high point. He he took it at a decent size, but it's it's like a small car accident. Like, that's the only thing you can accumulate one of these falls to... A little fender bender. It's a little it's fender, a fender bender. bender. Yeah. And some of them are worse than others. You know, you, maybe your neck is turned in the wrong little, direction. You get a little sore in the shoulders or you, like, yeah. rumple down the back. Or. And J.D.'s second fall was definitely facing the other direction, which scraped a whole different side of him. <laughs> and, you know, at Even that job. point, you, you look at J.D. and you, you commiserate with your partner on the ground about how hard this climb actually is. And, <laughs> and you decide, you know, you're going to reel it in for your buddy and say, you know, I'll put the rope up for you, <laughs> and you should relax for maybe an hour. And then at the end of the day, you know, we come over here and we finish this thing up. Yeah. And we spent the rest of the day, you know, walking around because I climbed the thing, got the rope up, and that thing, that thing hung there most of the day. And <laughs> toward the end of the day, everyone's wrapping their packs up. Everyone's packed. You guys ready to go? And me and JD, we're gonna, we got some business to tend to. I'm gonna finish this thing. And JD, you know, sacked it up and. Finished the thing, bloody got mess. Got oh. to the top and, you know, come down, retrieved all the gear. And, nice. You know, the the day was done, and J.D. slayed that dragon for the day. I was done. Yeah. And, yes, he's, oh. I don't think he's been same since. <laughs> but he's going back. That's beautiful, man. It's on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These lists get extensive. Yeah. I can imagine. They do get extensive. Well, fellas, uh... I mean, I know you got to, at some point today, climb, and we want to go out there with you and check it out from the ground, <laughs> encouraging, maybe take a little hike. We're taking them climbing. <laughs> They're going to put on the mics. <laughs> Strap the mic on Strap with my... mic on. It's going to be climbing. the first monkey tooth exposure way up <laughs> on the top of one of the massifs. Well, see, I'm going to start with a couple bowling balls of doubt in my pack. And by the time I'm anywhere near it, it's going to be a boulder of doubt. But no, I, I, I'm just uh, completely enamored of the spirit that you guys have for this and the way that you share it and what it, what it does for culture. I mean, the fact that you know, your exposure to, to rock climbing was in this niche little spot and you, you know, outside of Durango, it was this insular little thing. And now this insular community is spanning oceans. And you've got people all over the world whose, uh, I'll just be honest, your uh, imitations of their in, uh, accents is fucking impressive. We had such <laughs> a good time last touch? night. I have not heard a single <laughs> one of those from you before we sign off on this deal. I got to get like got to get a couple of your impressions because they're amazing but the fact that that you've now got this this influx of people whom you can uh with incredible acumen imitate uh is a beautiful thing man and uh, i'm i'm just i'm happy that you're able to do this i'm I'm glad that there's a living out there if you're listening you're a sponsor there's another guy over here could use one (laughs) sweet jd could use a sponsor. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I really want this all to just work. You hear him go bond medicated. You get a hold of JD. <laughs> Tiger bomb. Tiger bomb. We got a guy. You should do the Duck Crusher talking to Kay. Well, so we 
like I said, I've met all these people, and I don't know if imitating people is a very kind thing to do, but it's all I, a done highest in love. form it's, it's, of flattery. It's all, it's all done, done in, in love. It's all done in love, yeah, but it's a high I, form of flattery to me. Huh? Chris Schreiber's is the Dutch Crusher, and just talking with any of these people at night, you listen to their stories, you hear the Welsh boys sing the national anthem in the morning over yeah, coffee, and beautiful. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you're like, wow, what is he singing? And then you hear it, and that's, and that's the Dutch national, the Welsh national anthem, Devin. Haven't you heard it before? <laughs> no, wow, no, that's beautiful. And you know, I'm thinking about our national anthem, and not that I don't have pride in it, but I don't know if it would sound as pretty as these Welsh boys cranking that thing out in the morning. <laughs> and then you get experiences with the Dutch Crusher, like you know, late night, and you know, Shriver's, what, what are you going? Well, I'm going to the bed. And I'll be maybe waking up in the morning there. We have the coffee, and then we'll go for the out with the rock climb all day, Devin. You better get some sleeps. And then we have the Japanese crew that has lived on the other side of the rock for basically two months. And Cape Camp. Yeah. He, Kay has a nice little camp down there, and Kay is the guy who shows up at all your areas out there and is the Japanese guy that no one knows who he is, and he crushes, crushes. all your projects. Crushes. And Kay's a school teacher who came here from Japan in the 80s and has become a professor, and he has a bunch of free time to live out on the road out of his van and just crush your dreams at your local area because he's <laughs> yeah. a beast. And he speaks the most perfect English. And he does not have very much of a tone, except, Devin, what are you doing today? I would like to get on one of your projects and support you because I think it's important. <laughs> You're like, all right, Kay, what are we going to get on? And, you know, the rope gets stuck or something, and Kay goes, son of a bitch. <laughs> the rope is severely stuck, Devin. If you don't get it down, you owe me $100. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, oh, damn, Kay, I don't have a lot. <laughs> Devin, I was joking. <laughs> your, your, your monotone, Kay, is amazing, and your English is way better than mine will ever be. And, yeah, I just, that's... That's my that's oh. my take on the beautiful people I get to meet. And yeah, I'm sure there's a thousand other quippy little accents of the maybe the Australians that we met down in Indian Creek this year, and you know, just they're such a subcontinent they're easy to make fun. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but all the Australians and it's talking. You get up there and you're gonna put another widget in Devin because he look like he's gonna take a whip. It's like oh. Well, Chris, th thanks, thanks for, thanks for the encouragement. I said, "Fuck, I was encouraging you. I was wanting to see you take one of them. Go on, you fucking piss wimping cunt. You can't do it." And I'm, oh my god. <laughs> and his wife, oh, David, he just throws the word cunt around. It's not like bad like it is here in America, but you know. I said, no, no, I, no, I don't. No, I don't know. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> One thing that really impressed me, I, I really like voice actors. I have a huge appreciation. Like Mel Blanc is one of my heroes, you know. Mm. And you were doing a thing last night, which is not easy to like take someone's accent and then get them a little drunk or a little stoned. You were you were like taking the Dutchman through like sobriety, 
early morning coffee. I, I got the whole Dutchman, the whole range of expression of the Dutchman last night. Yeah, he's he. You know, you live out here in the dirt with people, and they become your. I mean, not your muse, but you get to pick them apart and see every little thing about them. I mean, maybe truly on the inside, I'm not a rock climber. I'm a fucking sociopath out here just <laughs> diagnosing everybody because I'm the one with true problems. Or some kind of weird, twisted, climbing Freud. I don't know. But, you know, everyone has their little nicks and ticks and things, and it's how they work. And, you know, every morning, the Dutch Crusher would get up and he'd make his coffee and He'd be reserved because he was in his tent all night reading his book or whatever, and he would be relaxed. You know, Devin, today we are, we are for the beautiful day with the rock climb. Uh, we have the coffee, and then, then we'd go out for, for maybe make the, the climb all day. And fuck yeah, Shrivers and me, you, you got your sandwich, you're ready to go, and awesome day, let's head out. If you're getting a late start, Devin, what's the deal? And, you know, we're getting going, man, don't worry, okay, it's awesome. Me climbing hard all day and just, oh, Devin, today and tonight I'm making to work for the gummy and I will make it and, oh, it, I earned my gummy into my steak. You do the same. Don't be the wimp boy. And, oh, Shrivers, you, cr- you crush her, dude. You're going. You're inspiring me to work hard to earn my food tonight and said gummy. And the gummies are, we are in a very beautiful time in the world here in America where you can get medical grade gummy bears or little squares that have THC or green aliens whatever green aliens that will you know just you know I'm not saying I need a crutch or anything but boy at the end of the day if you climbed all day and you're scraped these gummies that Shrivers has you know he is from the Amsterdam area so maybe there's his weakness (laughs) but they are good so we'll finish up the day and we'll get back to camp and try, oh, I'm so tired Devin, all day with the climbs and there's a bloody scab on my back. Oh, it's, I don't want to show you. I was, you ready for the gummy? <laughs> yeah, it shives, you know. Can't wait to get a hold of that thing. So I'm taking more than three quarters because, you know, I feel like, you know, extra celebration. And, you know, sweet, you know, and you eat your gummy and you go cook your dinner and come back out to the camp and, Shit, what drivers do? Devin, my cum is fully now to kicked in, and I'm over here I'm going to fully relax. And you're going to do your stretches and stretching and relaxing. And I'm a big fan of late night coffee. It doesn't really keep me up. And shit, with one of those good gummies in you, you're going to bed no matter what. So you're making the coffee? I'm lit. <laughs> I got you, Shrivers, and bring out the coffee and like eat you know takes lion shares of the coffee because he's dutch and you know we're sitting there and you know he's obviously he's shivers my favorite part was he's oh i'm losing my english and he would say it in such a timid way because he'd you know you'd be sitting there and you'd be talking he's like you know tomorrow Stefan, we maybe go to town and go go to dancing from shaksa and i said to the other one and you know it was maybe like for the climb and I'm like, shit, what? What? Shives, I, I fucking, what? It's like, don't you know? <laughs> you know, the international thing for when some, yeah, I do. But I don't. I have no fucking clue what you just said. And then he would catch himself in like the middle of a conversation. He'd be like, Shrives, so 
you know, when when you we're doing that move and you're going around the corner, where did you go? Hunts and then shit out of the front and and come back and there was no toilet paper and I was in Scheiser. <laughs> and like, I, okay, I got toilet paper and Scheiser was probably mean shit, so. Oh, I'm losing my English, Devin. It's time to, for me to go to bed. I'll see you in the morning for coffee. And then Shivers would saunter off. And that was pretty much like a day with Shivers all the time. I love it. And he was, he's fickle and he was with it. And he had a rental car and it was a big, like, red SUV with New York plates. And we we're, you know, maybe... You want to go down to maybe Denver for the day because we need rest day and it's too much elevation. If we go down, we get some donuts or something and it's like <laughs> sweet drives and, you know, tell the girlfriend, hey, we're going, going down to Denver. You want to come? And you're going to stay. It's my alone time. It's very important. You need your alone yeah, and separation you time or you'll go crazy. Yes. So me and Shrivers, you know, whipping down to Denver, you know, it's like maybe an hour and a half away, something like that. And, He's like, you know, these roads here for shit and the autobahn is huge. Go as fast as you want. And I'm looking over at the cruise control and, oh, man, Shrives is cruising up around 95, almost 100 miles an hour. Oh, and God. he's like, oh, there's one of the police motorcycles just behind us, Devin, not pulling over here. And I'm like, well, you might want to pull over. He's like, this isn't safe. I'm sure the officer will approve of me not pulling over on the shoulder where there's semis that he could potentially be run over. And I'm like, man, like, don't. Please pull over. Oh, dude. And, like, he's turning on to the 70 to go, like, south toward Denver. I'm like, dude, like, he's behind us, bro. Like, we should probably pull up. There's a gas station here I'm pulling over at. And, yeah, the cop comes up. He's like, why didn't you pull over? He's like, I'm from the Netherlands. I was confused. <laughs> didn't want you to be in danger, officer. What are you what are you guys doing? He's like, we are for the rock climb. We go down to Denver for relaxation. <laughs> All right, I need to see your identification and your rental agreement. And I know full and well the rental agreement's in the thing next to us where he's got, I don't know, eight containers of gummies. And he goes, oh, it didn't. I don't know where the rental agreement is. <laughs> and I thought we were going to ride the lightning for sure. And he got out of the car, and I'm like sitting there like, oh, Jesus I wonder what's going to happen here to Chris Shrivers. He comes back around the car. He's like, goodbye, officer. He's like, he gave me a business card. <laughs> told me to slow it down. Yeah, we're going to get donuts. And I'm sitting there sweating. I'm like, oh, God. dude. He's like, yeah, on the rental agreement, they have in the thing with the gummies the whole time, Devin. I put one over on him. I was like, oh, Shit, and he's like, I think this red car is like an attractive for the cops with the New York plates. Yeah, you think? I was like, yeah, I think. He's... Yeah. Oh, what God. gave it away? I have no clue, Shivers. <laughs> God bless you. Oh my God! Thank you for that. Oh. Uh, that was more effective than however many cups of coffee we've had at this point. Thank you so much. I'm... Now yeah, I do want to climb. And you may be crazy when you do laugh and smile at your own stories because that was. Uh, that was pretty funny remembering. Yeah. Even yeah. though it was only like a month or two ago. <laughs> was it? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's September. I don't know if you were aware. Oh, so that was in June. <laughs> Telemundo. I'm, uh, I'm stuck here in what seems to be Groundhog Day in the yeah. booth. Well, fellas, thank you so much, man. Thank I, I just, you I, for everything. It's beautiful. And everyone out there, there's a very kind 
set here that has been laid out for us to conversate over the last, I don't know, 45 minutes or however long I've been here because it feels as though I was only here for a couple. But this uh, very nice setting, I thank you for that very much. here saying thank you for listening to the monkey tooth podcast if you haven't already or it's been a while check out our website mtp.dog there's plenty of information there an about tab with a little bio on andrew myself and our dog pele there's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion a journal tab and we as an andrew are doing our best to keep that up to date and last but not least a contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all.